Hi, I'm Chris Lamont, New South Wales Small Business Commissioner. Welcome to Talking Business. Today I'm speaking with Dean Drews, Managing Director of Corowa Distillery on the Murray River. Dean's family bought the old flour mill from the local council for $1 in 2010, and Dean started making whiskey in 2016. During COVID, the distillery turned to making hand sanitizer to counter the downturn in the tourist trade. Dean strives to make his whiskey more accessible to non-whiskey drinkers, and his varieties have won a number of awards. Welcome to Talking Business, Dean. Thanks for having me, Chris. Dean, let's start from the beginning. Why, why make whiskey for a living? Yeah, look, it's, it's one of those uh, industries when we sort of first um, moved to Cora in 2010, there was, there was some great interest around the world in Australian whiskey making, and there was only you know a handful of uh, distilleries in Australia making whiskey, let alone making good quality whiskey. So it, um, it, it was one of those things where we thought, well, why not? Um, you know, we came from a farming background and um, we're very proudly off the land. And, you know, we wanted to make an impact uh, for those farmers who wanted to value add their product and, and go that little bit extra. So um, being able to get barley off our family farm um, yeah, it was, was great and uh, turn it into whiskey, which, you know, if you can't make uh, friends with whiskey and chocolate, I don't think you'll ever make friends in life. <laughs> and you mentioned your, your family's farming background. How did that influence either the, the production process or, or the way you went about this new business venture? Yeah, look, I think us as a family uh, and then also a broader community uh, being from an agricultural background, uh, it, it really plays a big part, you know. Um, and for us, we always want to, you know, be true to ourselves. We never want to get caught up in the, you know, the the publicity of, you know, oh, this is happening with whiskey out in the world. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're still those, um, you know, as a farmer in community and also as a, a greater community in Coral, we're still those same idiots that wanted to make whiskey back in 2010. So, um, you know, the person you meet back then is still the same person today. And, you know, we want to carry that through uh, into the future. But, um, you know, from a farming background, we, we love that aspect of, we're the ones that are, you know, cultivating that ground and being able to to make that work, um, you know, long term for for a farming family that uh, can actually do something more than just put the the grain into a bag and send it off to the market. So let, let's go back to to twenty ten though. So um, the family or yourself, you bought you bought the old flour mill for a dollar. Um, you then think about it. <laughs> What were your initial thoughts after you'd signed the deal? Yeah, so there were a fair few thoughts that went through my head. Um, I, my story is a little bit um, different to the rest of the family because I was actually living in Canada at the time and I, I got this phone call at five o'clock in the morning, Canadian time, and it was from mum who never really gets too excited about much that we do in the business world. And I thought, geez, if she is excited about this, there's something really special about what we're coming to see so uh, you know it, it took me about two months to get home from there um and wrap that up and and i finally got down to Cora and i'm looking at this building and i'm thinking geez it's absolutely magnificent it's got so much potential but there's not a window in the building the roof's missing off it like it, it, 
there's there's barrels of tar everywhere. There's fertilizer spread around it. There's you know forty years worth of pigeon poo lying on the floor in here. The amount of work in here is unfathomable. So, you know, yes, it's a dollar, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, you know, and and then we um, we're fortunate enough to win the uh, the win the tender for a dollar. Um, the council never told us that we had to pay GST on that, so we ended up uh, having to shell out an extra 10%. Uh, but uh, look, we'll let that one go for now. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was one of those times in life where you look back on and you think, I could have easily quit along the journey uh, for, for many days in a row. But I'm glad that the hard work, um, you know, we put in to, to restore the building but also to give ourselves... Um, you know, that realised potential because I think a lot of people talk about potential in a building or, a, you know, an area or whatever it might be, but unless you're willing to do something about it, it's only ever potential. It's You've got to actually realise that potential and, um, you know, turn it into something um, yourself. Well, it's a real tribute to you and the family. I've, I've visited uh, the flour mill uh, and uh, seen firsthand just what a first-class tourism facility it is. The story, the history, but but the amenity that you've provided in that facility now uh, is first class. So congratulations to to you and the family on that one. Oh, thank you very much. You talked you talk a lot about family and the importance of that, and that's clear um, when we visited uh, just how important it was to you. Mentors in the business world, um, where do you take your inspiration, and who provides you? I guess, the encouragement and the lessons along the way to continue to, to do what you've done. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone uh, always says, oh, and especially guys, they always say, oh, you know, my father and, and this and that. So definitely my father um, has given me inspiration along the way. You know, he he came from the farming background and um, he started Juni Licorice and Chocolate as an old flour mill that had been abandoned forever and a day as well. So, um, you know, when we bought that in 1998, um, the town as a whole had a tourism numbers of 4,000 people. Uh, and then you fast forward five years and he still didn't have a great offering, but their building alone was attracting, I think it was about 80,000. And then another five years on top of that, they're up to about 120. 30,000 people so being able to you know that that for me is a huge um, inspiration but also a mentor to be able to you know say that just because someone says that an area or a building won't work that's more encouragement to to put your best foot forward and say no this is me this is how I'm doing it if you say I can't do it I'm going even harder at that so um, he, he's been really good for me. And then when I moved down to, to Corowa, I've been very fortunate that um, Andrew Rennie, who was the CEO of um, Domino's in Europe for 16 years, um, you know, we, we talk daily about uh, business and things that are moving forward and, you know, new opportunities and how we need to attack the whiskey market and uh, just different things in general. So um, for me, he's been a great sort of corporate way of looking at things, but also that really paired back, um, you know, he's still from the land as well, um, being from Wagga. So, um, you know, we get along really well. Um, I love talking business with anyone who will listen and, and he's one that, uh, you know, I really love talking business with because he's been there, he's done that, he's taken, you know, dominoes from, 
from humble beginnings now to you know around the world so um it, it's a great story but it's also um you know great inspiration and he's a great mentor along the way as well uh, that's, that's it's always really important to have mentors when we hear that time after time even just to to share your frustrations at times where things don't go the way you want it um, I want to go back sort of two years uh, and talk about the impact of COVID on your business and 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 what you what you did. Now, for those that don't know where Coral is, it's right on the the New South Wales Victorian border. And obviously, we had hard border closures during 2020 and 2021. Um, Dean, that would have been a nightmare when it first happened. But but how did you get through it? Yeah, look, it, it absolutely was a nightmare. Um... It was the uncertainty of not knowing how long it was going to go for and how we were going to be treated, you know, through the journey. So I think the biggest thing that we learnt during that time is we need to carry on with, you know, a day-to-day sort of um, plan, but also, you know, a, a greater plan, but not relying on what anyone else is going to say or do for us. So, you know, take your take your own destiny into your hands and say, you know, how can how can I keep people employed? How can I, you know, keep people coming to work in a time where everyone else is sitting at home? So, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a, an alcohol license um, with the ATO where we could bring in um, ethanol and, and turn that into to hand sanitizer. Now, there, there's a few things within that that really we were fortunate with, but we also went out of our way to make sure it would work for us, um, you know, and I think that's that's really important as well. We had a pharmacist um, on staff who was our production manager or still is our production manager, um, but he'd been a pharmacist for forever and a day and, you know, the ability for him to to mix up the, um, the hand sanitizer mix and, you know, work that to a, a specific recipe and, you know, the the chemical compounds of it all and make that work was invaluable, but then working with a head distiller and our head chef as well. So, um, you know, there was a few things that worked into place there, but then on top of that, you know, a lot of what we wanted to do with the hand sanitizer is actually give back to the community because it's not just about keeping people employed. Um, yes, that's one of the major driving factors of what we do, but it's also about keeping our local community and our local area safe. Um, you know, so getting a, a lot of that hand sanitizer out to, you know, hospitals and medical facilities straight away so that, um, you know, they were looked after and they were in, in good hands um, going forward it was really important to us. Oh, that's a real tribute to you, Dean, and the family. Can I just talk, let's delve into whiskey a little more um, and who, who goes to the Coral Distillery apart from the old small business commissioner and minister at all hours of the day and night? What, what what tourist trade do you see? Who, who what's the average customer of the Coral Distillery? Yeah, it's uh, look, it's an interesting one um, that because we get all sorts of different um, you know customer base. You know, we, we get the families coming for chocolate. We get um, you know people wanting to be married uh, in a big old building because um, we do wedding receptions as well. Uh, but people who come for the actual whiskey side of things. Um, too often in the whiskey industry, a lot of distillers and a lot of business owners that own distilleries just think, oh, I'm the perfect customer for this. So I'm the target market. When in actual fact, they're not the target market because they already like whiskey. So for, for us, what we look at is who can we bring into our facility that 
they're going to be our perfect target market. So we came up with non-gender specific aspirationals. So, and what we mean by that is it's both male and female because females have a much better palate than males uh, and they want to see this experience. So, you know, we're looking at both genders uh, and then aspirational. So anyone between the ages of 22 and 45 that are looking for that experience, they're wanting to meet the distiller, they're wanting to see where the barrels are made, where the grain's coming from, you know, how you're making the whiskey, where you're aging it, whether it sees sunlight, you know, all of these other things that, that go into it. But they're wanting to know the full process. So they're our target market. They're what we say, you know, the ones we're shooting for. Um, now, that might not work for every other distillery out there, but it works for us because we want to take ourselves away from, you know, I'm already a whiskey drinker. I'm not the target market. Dean, what is it about the distilling process that, that you find fascinating? And, and is it all the same or how do you get the different varieties of whiskey? For, for me, it's definitely, uh, in our building especially, it's the sense of romance and, you know, nostalgia that you can get from walking into a distillery and you see the big copper, you know, pot stills and you see wooden barrels and it's, you know, it opens up those sensory sort of uh, moments where you can smell and you get to touch oak and, um, you know, you're seeing everything. It's, it's really... What I love about whiskey is the ability to transcend you, um, you know, and I'm not talking from an alcohol perspective. I'm talking from a flavour and a, um, you know, and again, that sensory sort of touch, feel, smell, everything like that. So, um, you know, whiskey making is definitely gets into your blood and you, you get a love for that whiskey making. And, you know, um, that's what I love about it. What The furthermore to that is when you're drinking whiskey, not every two people are going to agree on the flavour that's in there. So it's a very much uh, an individual from a flavour point of view on what you smell, what you taste, how you feel when you're drinking those things. Uh, but also that whiskey is a, because of those flavours that are, are different for everyone, it's a conversation starter and it can continue a conversation for many hours afterwards because of um, the differentiation between each individual person. Well, the sensory experience I found fascinating. I remember talking to, to you and your crew uh, down there and, uh, you know, the smell of fruitcake and different different scents and, and flavours was, and to have such different variety uh, across a product that was presumably made at or about the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can be your biggest Achilles heel, you know, it can be a hindrance to you because you go, those two barrels came from the same winery. We did exactly the same thing to them. We put the same batch into it, but they're completely different. So uh, for us as, uh, you know, master craftsmen, it's about being able to harness that and to be able to make a consistent product day after day, year after year, um, that the consumer can always come back to because, um, you know, I think too often we, we go for a seasonal product and people go, well, I loved it last year, but why do why do I not like it this year? So that's on us to, to sort of make that work. But um, there's also something really nice about the unreplicatable, um, you know, differentiation that we can make in there. Um, but that also then comes back to us as, as business people to say, here's the story, here's the marketing plan to make this work. And this is how we're going to be different from everyone else. Now, what's well, a first class product, so well done. Thank you very much. 
And and the, the chocolate. So do you have people that do the tasting of both at the same time or is it is it more specific to one or the other? Uh, you can definitely have people doing one or the other. Um, look, whether or not we were a little bit cheeky in the way we set things up, we had our chocolate tasting area separate to our whiskey tasting area. And the idea of that was we felt at the time when we were doing it that if the female could eat chocolate at uh, one location and 95% of women crave chocolate and like we've all seen it, they, they crave it and they would do anything for it. So our thought was separate that away so that they don't have the, the husband or the partner um, standing over the shoulder saying, no, you're not allowed to buy that chocolate so that they have a free run at it and they can buy as much as they want there while the male is sitting over in the whiskey tasting and they're trying as much as whiskey as they want and then they don't feel pressured to, oh, I can try that or I can, you know, buy that. Um but since then, you know, with our target market being the way it is, um, you know, we do have a, a broad mix of, of both trying uh, each other's uh, respective areas. So, um, yeah, look, it's been uh, a very interesting one, but you can definitely mix, uh, you know, the tastings together or you can keep them separate. So th there's a lot of variety in that. And, Dean, your online uh, offering is very impressive. Nice, clean, crisp uh, much like the whiskey itself, but but uh, how important has online sales been to you? Yeah, obviously, COVID uh, brought uh, a different dynamic to online, and I think it forced a lot of people online. Um, we already had an online presence during a uh, pre-COVID, um, but it did force us to de better develop our online presence. So we have. Um, uh, a head of brand uh, that looks after all things Coro Distilling Co. So the messaging that we have out in the marketplace, whether that be online or socials or just around our actual site or in town, she looks after how we're perceived when we put something out online, how we're perceived when we're putting ads in the paper and, and making sure that it is clean and crisp and to the point of this is who we are and we're not actually changing away from who we are. So... I think that's really important. And then from there, you get that strong online presence um, and it's clear, concise messaging as well, which I think, um, you know, we've all seen uh, in our website here and there where it becomes a little bit muddy because they're trying to get a story across, but they haven't actually thought about the whole process and how it's going to translate to the, to the consumer. Yeah, no, that's important. So where to from here uh, for the Druce family and the Corowa Distillery, uh, Dean? What, what, what's the future hold for, for your business? Uh, it's a very uh, interesting question. Um, you know, we have a track record of buying old flour mills that haven't been used for 40 years. So <laughs> I don't know how many, uh, how many more there are out there, but, um, look, we, we'd always go again. Um, you know, we love coming into... Um, small communities and being a part of the community. Um, you know, I, I moved to Corowa 12 years ago and I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I, I love being here in Corowa. I, I think there's there's so much future and there's so much realised potential that we've, we've got to go um, here. So, you know, whether or not we did a, another site somewhere else again, uh, I'm not sure. But for us uh, at the distillery, you know, we want to, we want to put... Corowa on the world stage. So, um, 
you know, whether that be winning a, a world's best um, single malt whiskey or, you know, how have we, do, how have we get there? Um, that, that's the challenge for us, um, you know, because it's, it's that love of the small community that you have around you uh, and the people that sort of invest emotionally and physically in that brand. Um, that's really important to us. Um, so... And, and you have won awards, though, though Dean. Like the Coralwood Distillery has has taken a number of awards. Haven't they? Yeah, we have. So we were fortunate enough to win our best Australian single malt whiskey in Dan Murphy's this year. Uh, and the best part of that was the award that we won there was for our um, sub hundred dollar bottle. Um, but what I loved about that bottle is that it's called the Corowa Characters. So it's a double entendre there that means. It's the character of the whiskey that's made in Corowa, but it's also celebrating the people and the community that have raised this this distillery out of the ground. So we always talk about it, it takes a community to raise a child. Where we talk about internally that it takes the community of Corowa and the greater region to raise the Corowa Distilling Company. So um, it's a great celebration of a price point whiskey, but also the whiskey that we're proud of because of the community background that really brings us um, to light. Well, look, you have every reason to be to be proud of what you've achieved, Dean. Um, thanks, thanks for your time today. For anyone who's thinking about taking a trip over Christmas or into the new year, I can thoroughly recommend stopping in at Corowa and in, importantly, the Corowa the Distillery. Uh, it, is, it is an eye-opening experience uh, and something that I know you will enjoy. Thanks for your time again today, Dean. Not a problem. Happy to be here anytime and talk uh, all things Corridor Distilling Co. Thanks, Dean. I'm Chris Lamont. Thanks for listening. We'll return soon with another episode of Talking Business.